Welcome to season five of our Tea with Toby podcast. This season, our focus is all about elevating social care, and we touch on a number of key and topical subjects vital to growing care organisations. On this episode, I'm joined by Lisa Vile, sales manager at Athena Care Homes, and we'll be discussing the S word in the sector we don't hear enough about, and that's sales. Elise will be sharing tips, best practices, and out-of-the-box ideas on how to build a high-performing sales team in social care. With that said, let's hear from Lisa. Lisa, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. If we can start with uh, an introduction to who you are, what you do, and a bit of your background. Yeah, of course. Um, I've worked in sales for 20 years. Um, Initially, I started in uh, health and fitness, so a lot of membership sales and working on that side of things. And then after 10 years, I moved into care, working for Hallmark for eight years and now with Athena Care Homes as sales manager. Look, it's lovely to have you on the show and it's a big subject. And I want to preface this. So a lot of care organisations spend a lot of time on marketing. You know, how does my website look? Uh, Branding, the logo, community engagement, Google ads, whatever it is. And great inquiries come through. But where people usually drop the baton is when the inquiries move over to the sales department. So that's what the conversation is going to be around. Mm -hmm. And I think the best logical way to uh, start this conversation is actually through the lens of the inquirer. So diving straight in, when that phone first rings, it's usually the son or daughter of the person requiring care. Where are they in life? And what do they expect from that first initial phone call? Um, we traditionally find that most people, when they pick up that phone, they're normally already at crisis point. It's very rare that someone's kind of pre-planning that their parent or their loved one might move into care within kind of six months or 12 months. They're the lucky ones that are doing their research and, and uh, finding their, their home of choice as a just-in-case. But if that person's already at crisis point, they're looking for help and support. So they're picking up the phone to probably the first care home they come to on Google search, or maybe someone's told them about a good experience they've had with a care home. And they're looking for guidance through a very complicated system. And where do people usually go wrong on that first call from care provider's perspective? Um, Allowing people time. All right. Allowing people the time to talk. Okay. um, And listening. Yeah. Uh, recording, making notes, um, and really hearing what their problem is and walking them through it. So let's let's dive into that a bit more. So the big problem is allowing the personal level and time. And what what is what is the real issue that is preventing the person, you know, the the, pers- the lead handler from actually giving them the time that they deserve? Um, well, quite often, if they haven't got a CRM available to them. To, to support that lead. Uh, quite often it's a busy care home manager or a receptionist who's probably very well-meaning but hasn't necessarily had any training or an admin manager. They've all got other roles to play and they're quite often very busy. Um, that's one of the bigger issues. One of the main issues is they haven't necessarily put themselves in the shoes of the person that's making the inquiry. And I think if they were to flip that around on their head, 
and to feel that, feel what it feels like to to not get the support they need from that initial phone call, um, I think they would have more success in handling that lead and handling that inquiry. <clears throat> so when you mention CRM, it's customer relationship manager, the particular yeah. person, not the system at the moment. Correct. We'll yeah. probably touch on that in a yeah. bit. So what would be the ideal conversation? How would it go? What should they, what should the outcome be from that first initial call? Um, so initially you want to find out what the concern is, what's driven them to make that call. The outcome is to get them into the home to look around, but you want to find out a little bit about that person and why, why they've, what's triggered that. There's normally an event, mm. someone's fallen over, someone's in hospital, they've spent longer with mum or dad or loved one than normal and they're noticing a few things that maybe they're are changing for them. So what they're doing is they're, they're, they need to offload that onto someone. They need to share that with someone. And we, ha we should be the people that listen to that openly because what that will do is that will shape what the visit looks like when they come into the care home. And what type of things should they be understanding about the loved one? Um what care they have at the moment, who's doing that care. Is it the, the very harassed daughter who's doing the shopping and doing the call three times a day, making sure mum's had their medications? Um, you know, does that daughter need support, understanding that bit? Do they need a, a kind ear, someone to listen to them? Um, do they need to consider um, where that loved one is at the moment? Are they in hospital? Is it an urgent need? Do we need to, right, okay, let's speed this call up. Let's get you in. Let's get you in to have a look around. They're probably ready for discharge. So let's move it forward. Um, just understanding really what the kind of baseline circumstances are around it and then taking notes to, like I said, shape what happens next. Awesome. And in an idle situation, that person will be booked in to a visit. Yeah. After you meet them. But let's just say the person said, look, I still need to talk to my spouse or a loved one. Mm -hmm. Leave it with me. A lot of um, the areas where people go wrong is the follow-up. Yeah. And some people, they feel a bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. about following up or they don't follow up at all. In an ideal situation, what would it look like if someone had said, hey, leave it with me, um, and then the lead handle the post down the phone? Um, well, this is why it's so important to get as much information on that first call as you possibly can, because that, again, it will shape what the follow-up call looks like, what questions you're asking, what you're considering. Um, from that information um, and from that initial phone call, you're going to get a verbal contract from them. I will follow up with you. Is that okay with you? You get their buy-in, okay, because they're already expecting your call then. And the follow-up call should come in the time that you agree it. It should never be outside of that, okay, because you're already then losing trust with that person. And then from that follow-up call, you should be using the information you gained on the first call to ask, is mum ready for discharge yet? How are things going at home? How was your holiday? I understand you, you took a bit of a break. Your mum wasn't quite ready. How was the holiday? Did the kids behave? I know you were worried about it. That kind of thing. Make it very personal to the individual. And let's say that doesn't work. Are there any out of the box ideas that maybe you've tried in the past where let's say you know someone inquired you know two months ago but you're, you're nurturing that relationship um, and from that information maybe you know is there anything else that people can consider before they believe it's you know there's there's nothing going on here um 
the follow-up doesn't always have to be a phone call. Okay. It can be sending information, you know, um, that maybe that person asked on that initial phone call about um, maybe Parkinson's. Maybe they were looking for information on Parkinson's, so you could find a, a newspaper article that you can send out to them. Hey, saw this, thought of you. Um, just to show that you've listened, to you've, you've heard what they've said. It could be a personalised, just handwritten card, just to say, listen, it was really great to speak with you. This is my direct dial if you need anything. It's really simple things just to show that you care, you're putting thought into it. Um, I have dropped in around people's houses before, just knocked on, just said, look, I'm passing, I'm dropping off a brochure or some home-baked goods from the chef. You know, you mentioned on the phone, your mum really loves a banana loaf. I'm just drop one off, here's one for you. I'm not going to stick around and go because it can be quite an imposition. So it's really important that you, you, you allow them to see that you understand there's a barrier there. Mm -hmm. You haven't built that trust with them yet. Um, so you can really think outside the box on these kind of things. And that's, that's really powerful because, again, that is person-centered right from the beginning. If they mention something quite, you know, unique to them on that call, yeah. um, and then you send something in an email, just thinking about you, X, Y, and Z, or even drop around and drop some cookies, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. So let's progress it. Let's say, for example, off the back of that, they said, okay, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, I want to um, bring down my spouse. We want to come and view the home. Before that happens. A lot of people don't think about this, but what are some of the things that they should be thinking in, in preparation for that home visit? Um, prepare your team. Make sure that they know someone's coming in. There's nothing worse than someone turning up, particularly when they're quite emotive and no one's expecting them. And then it looks a bit rushed, a little bit harried, you know, oh, it's, you know, someone's coming in to see you. Are you expecting them? It doesn't make that person feel good. So make sure your receptionist, your admin team, whoever's welcoming them um, is, un is aware of the visit, um, is aware of who's coming, what time they're arriving and what the expectations are. So I would always coach my team to say, um, uh, Mr and Mrs Smith are coming in at two o'clock. They're looking for a, a, a care home for Mrs Smith's mum who's had a bit of a fall. She's not doing too well at home. Um, would you mind bringing them in, sitting down, get them a cup of tea and let them know I'll be two minutes. And what that allows to happen is that they've had a really warm welcome. Um, they've been well looked after and they have time to sit in the care home and just take it all in. It's probably the first time they've ever been in a care home. So they, they don't know what to expect. They've probably promised mum 20 years ago, I'm never going to put you in a care home. So let's make it a really good experience so that they feel relaxed, so that they feel comfortable to share with you. So that's the first thing I would I would think about. The second thing I would do is I would walk the route I'm going to take them on. Prepare the team as I'm walking around. I'm bringing someone to have a look around. Uh, it'd be great if you could come and say hello. It, it prepares them for it so that they know they might have to come and speak to someone who, who's new to them. And just make sure that your environment is looking at its best. That's corridors, that's dining rooms, that's the bedroom you're going to show them. Ideally, you'd have a show suite. So just make sure it's looking good, it's smelling good, um, and it's prepared for them to, to see it at its very best. And what should be the ideal outcome from that show around? How should it end? How should people finish off that show around? Um, hopefully with a really good feeling. <laughs> hopefully that this is the right care home for my loved one. I feel comfortable here. I yeah. feel well looked after. Everybody's smiling and they seem happy. The residents seem really happy. Um, ideally, you'd have a bit of a conversation about 
what they want the next steps to be. You know, put it in their shoes. Um, you want to drive it forward for them because sometimes it's a difficult decision for them to make. Um, I would always encourage them to look at other homes, just do their research, understand that. Again, that gives them confidence that, okay, this person isn't just a salesperson trying to get me across the line. They really care about what's right for my mum. But just making sure that they leave with all the information they've got, um, all uh, fees, next steps, what an assessment looks like, how quickly we can work with them. Um, And then, again, another verbal contract. Mm. Is it okay if I follow up with you in three or four days' time? That allows you some time to look at some other homes and digest some things. And I just make sure we haven't missed anything. And is there anywhere that people usually go wrong within the show round? What are the common mistakes? Uh, rushing it, for sure. I've had so many people come to me um, after they've been to another care home and they've just been shown around by an incredibly busy person who hasn't asked their name. Mm. who hasn't asked their loved one's name, who hasn't asked their time scales. So they've literally just gone in, just gone, there's a bedroom, that's the dining room, um, this is my card if you need anything, and they've gone back to their day job. Whereas th- these people need time and support. Yeah. They need looking after. They've never done this before. It's a very scary industry if you haven't even considered it. We don't, we don't wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to go and find a care home just in case. You're only there because you need it. And I think what you said there is so powerful about if you can gather that key information on that first call, it kind of tailors what the show around should be for the individual. And it kind of reminds me, I remember when we moved out um, of the area and me and my wife went to go and check out David Lloyd. And on the call, the person basically asked a whole bunch of questions. And then when we'd done the show around, nice little sit down, got off some tea, he reaffirmed the things that are really important to us. And then he took a route that was specific to us. Yeah. So, for example, we mentioned, no, we don't really play tennis. We didn't focus on the tennis court. Yeah. He, we talked about the family. So he talked about the crash, the swimming pool, the jacuzzi, what was important to us. So it was kind of like we've got all of these things, mm-hmm. but we're going to tailor this experience based on you specifically. Yeah. In an ideal world, from that first call, we'd have an understanding about maybe what that loved one's interests are. Mm. Um, and we're talking ideal world here. Yeah, and then yeah. you would you would time that visit around maybe an activity that ties into that interest so that you can walk past and say, you know, this is what our residents do day to day. This is what they really enjoy. Come in, introduce them to some of the residents. They can talk about their experience. Yeah. And then that, like you said, the same thing. It shapes that visit for them. I'm really big on that. And I, I don't know if this is too crazy to be done, but imagine, I'm just thinking about it out loud, on that call, we understood best music preference, the favorite song, yeah. favorite meal, yeah. favorite activity. And when they do the show around, you know, as you mentioned, the receptionist, hey, two sugars, right? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And then they yeah. went through. Oh, that's the chef, by the way. They happened to have the favorite meal. Yeah. The music's playing. Yeah. Oh, they love checkers. Checkers is playing right now. Yeah. What a tailored experience. I know in the care sector, we're probably not there. And yeah. it comes back to what you talked about in terms of time. Mm-hmm. But I think this relates a little bit to, um, which I'm going to touch on in a bit, about guilt. Mm. The guilt of the sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to touch on that now. Okay. <laughs> but um, lovely. So shifting gears, we spoke about that fit initial first call. 
we spoke about what they, the preparation that's required before the visit. Mm -hmm. We touched on the visit. Um, you told them to go and check out some other care homes in the area. Yeah. And then again, you asked for their permission to follow up. Mm -hmm. In that follow-up call, what is important? How should that go? What should the journey of that call be? Before we dive into the answer to that question, did you know 73% of people expect organizations like yours to understand their unique needs and expectations? And a whopping 98% of professionals say that they benefited from automation as it allows them to save time and focus on more customers. 98%? That's almost everyone. Want to find out more about what your customers expect from your service? Download Salesforce's State of Service report to discover the trends in the market and keep your business in the know. The direct link can be found in the show notes below. Now back to the episode. Um, it's, it's important that you reference their previous visit and how how that how you felt that went. Any feedback they might have given during that, um, give, give them all their words back to them. So it reminds them of how they felt during that visit, and ask them what their experience was at the other care home. Get an understanding of kind of where they might be thinking in terms of decision making. And then it's really important just to ask them what what they feel their next step might be. How can you help them to achieve that? So let's talk about a rebuttal, which is probably common, mm -hmm. is about cost. Yeah. You know, we've checked out a few care homes, local in the area. The fees are just, you know, really high. Mm. For someone who, you know, the care center isn't really renowned for sales. Mm. And actually, I kind of, I personally see this as services and sales. It's about service. How can we best serve that person? But for someone who hasn't had the training, let's say a lead handler, and they're quite uncomfortable around sales. Yeah. How should they handle the, uh, uh, you know, the maybe limiting belief about charging that price? If price is an issue. That's a great question. Um, I, I think all the lead handlers should understand what their market is and understand where they sit within that market. Um, a lot of people, a lot of care home managers, a lot of receptionists, um, a lot of these people who are talk, often talking about fees. Mm quite often just handing over a fee sheet and looking away. I'm not comfortable with good delivering this number. Um, they need to be confident in their product, but they need to know what everybody else is delivering as well. Because it, it's all well and good, you, you know your own four walls, you know what's inside it, you know what your environment is. But if you don't know where that compares against your, your market competitors, then how can you measure that? How can you be comfortable with where that sits? It's really important that you get out there, you mystery shop, you speak to other care managers, uh, you look at their fees, quite often people have fees on the website, and that you understand how their fees sit in with the service they're delivering, the environment they have, their CQC report, um, their staffing ratios, and then you, you take that home and you consider that against your own product. It's so important to know your market. Have you experienced anything like that in your history in terms of uh, people you're training up and they might have a problem around charging what a company, you know, you know, their fees. Yeah, so I've, I've worked with um, uh, a care home manager who, uh, a fantastic care home manager who um, had worked there many, many years and hadn't really been outside of that environment um, and was struggling with saying the number, saying the fees, 
you know, just saying it out loud, not really comfortable with it because she didn't know what else was out there. So we, I worked with her on um, what was going on in her market, who are her competitors. Now, the industry knowledge that woman held about her competitors was crazy. It was amazing. She knew exactly how long that manager had been in post and what their service was like and what their safe staffing ratios were. But she hadn't considered taking, looking at their fees and comparing against her own. So we started kind of talking about, I was naming care homes in the area for her and she was saying, um, oh, yeah, that service delivery isn't great. They haven't got a great reputation. They're struggling with staffing. And I was pointing out to her, they're more expensive than you. And she, she was blown away by that fact because she hadn't considered looking outside of her own four walls and, and thinking about, okay, how do we compare against others? It's so important to know what's going on. Absolutely. So they followed up. They said, you know, great, would love to move in. Mum, mm -hmm. giving them a day. Again, the preparation for that move in. Again, it's not discussed a lot, but coming back to what I was talking about before, unlike New Zealand, Australia, where the, the, like retirement living communities that celebrated when they move in. In the UK, there's not a lot of knowledge and we feel, you know, some people feel guilt. They use the the the, the sentence, I'm moving my mum into a care home and they, it's kind of like a sad uh, experience for them. Yeah. What can be done during the move-in to make that, give that son or daughter that confidence that actually we're moving from home to home? Um, it's about showing the value you can give, not just to that person who's moving in, but to the whole family as well. It's about separating them from being carer to going back to being mum and daughter, which is so important. Um, it's showing the value that can be added to mum's day, how fulfilled it can be, the relationship she's got around her, um, how she's likely to gain some more independence because actually she's not got to rely on her daughter to do her shopping anymore. She hasn't got to rely on anyone to take her to the hairdressers because it's in the building. She can support herself to get to and from lunch and decide what time she gets out of bed in, um, in the morning because she hasn't got to wait for the care team to come in and do it. So it's really important to just show how it, it, it's not, care homes aren't what they used to be. They used to be a bit of a waiting room. That was, that was kind of the reputation, certainly. There's so much time invested now into activities and engagement and personalising that, that we have to really focus on that. What, what, is give, what is giving this person focus? Thanks for that. There are some care organisations who don't have a dedicated CRM, customer relationship manager, mm -hmm. um, and they're trying to build up their someone in the, within the organization to actually take that vital role within the organization. What would you say are some of the qualities that someone who's going to play that position within the company that they should have to ensure that they best reflect the company? Uh, listening skills is massive. To be able to listen and reflect back, um, it, it's, it's huge within this journey. Um, Sometimes when people want to kind of really offload, I've talked about this previously, they want to offload onto you. They've had no one else that would understand who they could talk to about it. 
um, to be able to listen and and understand what they're going through is just so important. But then be able to use what you've heard to to shape the journey, to give them advice, to to walk them through a process. You know, that it's such a broad role, the customer relationship manager role. Um, it's a it's it's not something you learn overnight because there are so many different scenarios within that that can come up, different funding streams, um, different circumstances. So, has someone's got lasting power of attorney or hasn't? Who's got the legal right to make this decision? Um, so when you're training up the, the staff that you've currently got, it's just really important that they, they understand care as a sector and all the challenges that it can bring up. Also have the confidence to be able to say, do you know what, I'm going to write that down, I don't know the answer, and I will come back to you with an answer within the next day or so. So listening to what their journey has been so far, offering them opportunity to give advice and next steps, and then being able to go back confidently um, in a timely manner mm. on the follow-up to give value. That's really powerful. I know for carers within the care uh, sector, mm -hmm. where there's a big drive to find people from outside of the sector, because there's, there's a shortage. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that this role, the person in this role, has to be from the sector? Or do you think they can you know, be from outside of the sector? Um, well, I came from out of sector, of course, didn't I? So yeah. I came from kind of a health club background. Um, the, the, the thing that got my CV notice was my uh, experience within membership sales in, in gyms. Um, so that's, kind of, again, it's walking people through a process. It's listening, it's understanding, and it's giving them a, a, a package that suits what they're looking for. Um, so... Um, I was able to transition quite well. There's still a lot to learn, but in terms of that kind of key selling bit, that was already, I already had that experience. Um, I've had some fantastic people from travel, um, from retail, um, all sorts of different areas that uh, have been quick learners, you know, and, and have worked with support, but have been incredibly successful at the role. Absolutely. I think that, you know, from different industries, they have to bring a unique insight yeah. as well yeah. and there's some transferable skills absolutely and i think it's really good if they come from out of industry actually because um you want someone with fresh eyes but you want someone who's going to keep those fresh eyes when you've got someone who's maybe worked in different positions within care they, they're likely to always have that mindset and see it through those eyes whereas you want a customer relationship manager who's always going to see it through the the customer's eyes always that customer journey, the experience, um, how, how to manage an inquiry as well. They need to be able to see it from a very different perspective. So I think it's really good if they come from outside of care. So we've got a bonus question we're asking all of our guests mm -hmm. and I'd love to know your thoughts on it. What it is, is forgetting about the how. If in an ideal world, what is one thing that you would implement in the care sector that will make a positive impact? That's a great question. Um, I, and I think I refer back to what I said earlier, I think get more people from out sector. I think there's so much experience we can bring in, fresh eyes, uh, a different perspective. I think it's so important that we broaden our horizons. I think it's fantastic when people have worked their way up from different positions, you know, care assistants and housekeepers that become 
general managers, but I think that experience from the outside world is incredible and I think it's so key. I think, can I add one more? No, I've absolutely. got one yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, well. one in well, one. yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I, I think more, more training on dealing with complaints. I think if people were more upfront, I think if they attack things head on, I think if they approached someone who was, you know, they maybe felt weren't feeling right about things in their care home, I think we would avoid so many escalated complaints if we just attacked it head on. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm looking at what I'm producing. I want to squeeze in another question <laughs> off that. Look, one question is when a company gets uh, requires improvement, CQC. Uh -huh. In that scenario, let's say it comes up during the show around on the call. Yeah. How should people attack that head on? Um, well, first of all, we should be bringing it up. Mm. Do not wait for them to bring it up. I think transparency is so key. You know, potentially they're going to be entrusting us to look after their most precious person. Mm. So I think if we approach it really head on and just say to them, listen, this is the situation we're in. We've, we've been inspected recently. Actually, it's pointed out some really valid points. We've got a fantastic action plan and walk through the action plan with them. Help them to understand, you know, maybe how we got there and what we're doing about it. Because it's really important that um, as care providers, we're responsive to what's going on around us. Actually, some people say there's no better time to move into a care home than when someone's just got a requires improvement because there will be so, or there should be, so much time and investment going into that care and that home to turn things around to make it um, deliver a better service, that what a great time to join it. Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much. This has been jam-packed full of gems. You've been so generous with your uh, shares there. And yeah, we'll have to get you back. 100%. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Toby. Thanks for tuning in to Tea with Toby. If you found this episode useful, don't forget to share it with one of your colleagues from the sector. And if you have any questions, drop me an email at team at prosperwell.co.uk. If you're new to Tea with Toby, do check out previous episodes in the season and also look out for future ones. Tea with Toby is produced by specialist care sector, digital marketing agency, Prosperwell, caring for the brands that care for others. Tea with Toby. 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 Tea with Toby.